Hello, this is Patty Davis. I'm a psychic medium and intuitive, and I'm coming to you from Humboldt County, which is in Northern California, where the redwood trees meet the ocean. Aloha, my name is Jude Lynch, and I am a psychic intuitive energy healer, hailing from the island of Kauai, the garden island of the Hawaiian island chains. Welcome to Spirit Speakers Podcast, where we meet to discuss a variety of topics from two different psychic vantage points. Aloha. Welcome to our fairies and how they hijacked this podcast podcast. So we have quite a story for you and a little explanation as to why it has taken us so long to get this podcast out to you. But before we start, I have a few things I'd like to announce. If you may have noticed, we have managed to continue providing this podcast to you without any interruptions or advertisements, and we would like to continue doing that. We want it to be just us and you. So we've opted to try out putting a donation button on our website at spiritspeakerspodcast.com, or you can find the donation button link in our bio on our Instagram at Spirit Speakers Podcast. And if you've been enjoying the podcast and would like to show a little gesture of appreciation, you can find that donation button and send us a little gift and your gesture will be very much appreciated and will help offset some of the costs of keeping this podcast going so we can bring you more insight and fun stories indefinitely into the future. So let's get to it, fairies. Okay, backstory. Patty and I decided before coming into 2021 that we were going to break open the new year with this fairies podcast. So we had it in our minds. We knew this was coming. First of all, this is our third attempt. Bringing back to the first attempt, which was sometime in January, of all the podcasts Patty and I have done since we started this, we have never had such a difficult time having a conversation about a topic. We were so tongue-twisted, tongue-tied, that neither of us could seem to get a full sentence out. And we spent a good amount of time stumbling over ourselves where we were finally like, look, clearly this is not going to happen today. Let's reconvene. Now, Patty and I have a pretty busy schedule. So that in itself is very difficult for us to coordinate time in which both of us are available simultaneously to record the podcast. So it took us a little bit. And we got to the second podcast and we felt all refreshed and really clear about how we were going to approach it. And we pulled it off without a hitch as far as we were concerned. And then things got interesting. So then I edit the podcast, which takes me a little bit of time. And the most challenging part about that is just being able to make the time to go through the podcast and set it up and get it published and make it all beautiful for you on our podcast hosting site. Well, Every time I tried to make time, something kept thwarting it. Like I had those hours carved out and then I got a phone call and I couldn't do it or an emergency situation happened and I couldn't do it or somebody needed me for something and I couldn't do it. And I kept pushing it back another day, another day, another day. And next thing I know, I'm about two weeks away. And at this point, I am so frustrated because I just cannot seem to break away a few hours of my life to edit this podcast. My frustration is building and building. I'm consumed by the stress of my everyday life, my family, everything that I need to get done. And I'm supposed to be working on this podcast about something very light and fun and playful. 
And my energy was completely in the opposite end of the spectrum. Finally, one evening, I was able to get to the podcast and then was met with another load of hurdles that are unusual. My headphones wouldn't work. That took me a good long minute to figure out how to even get that going. I couldn't get the podcast loaded into the editing software. That took me forever. Finally, when I got it loaded in, I couldn't get the audio files to do what I needed them to do, nor could I get them to play back. And by the time I actually got the podcast to play so I could hear it, I was already running on 10 in frustration and impatience with the whole process. And right when I got it to play, the audio was awful. It was glitchy. It had background digital robotic noise mixed in with it. And it was absolutely unusable. And unfortunately, I didn't figure this out until a few weeks after we had recorded that second podcast. So I immediately start texting Patty, all frustrated. You're not going to believe this. I can't even use this podcast recording this. It's garbage. You know, after weeks and weeks after almost two months of not being able to get this podcast out to you and how bad I felt. And I'm escalating in this frustration, venting to Patty. And I swear I can hear this little voice laughing at me and they are getting a real rise out of the fact that I am so frustrated over this. And I'm getting this sense as I'm talking to Patty, somebody is effing with me right now. I had to let Patty go go sit down in a meditation and get to the bottom of the situation. Now, in hindsight, I am realizing that the entire two weeks, I kept finding it very peculiar. Like the first few times I got thwarted was whatever. The fifth, sixth time I was like, I'm almost feeling like I'm being kept from making this podcast happen. But no, no, you know, I'm going to be distracted by my normal life and just continue doing everything, being busy and overwhelmed and stressed out about all the things, particularly in those few weeks. But it was always in the back of my mind that there was this overwhelming feeling that something was not allowing me to finish this podcast. A little more backstory. What would be interesting to know is that the previous podcast that we recorded that the audio got messed up on, I told this really wonderful story about the first time I've ever seen fairies. And I will tell that story again on this podcast, but within that story, there was a little tidbit about fairies that kind of mess with you. They're a little bit mischievous and they mess with you to teach you a lesson. My confession to you today is when I was younger in my earlier 20s, I was obsessed with fairies. I loved fairies. I thought of them all the time. And when I became open to seeing them, I was seeing them often. I was talking to them. I was looking for fairies everywhere. It was like this whole new magical universe had opened up to me and I wanted to know more and more and more. And somewhere along the line, about 15 years ago, life started getting real. I had children. I had jobs. I had responsibilities. I had drama. I had personal life lessons that I was going through and I was no longer in that childlike, carefree, playful reality where I just wanted to find all the magic in the world. And I started descending into adulthood. How boring, right? So here I am recording that podcast with Patty. I told this story. I'm pulling on these memories from way back in my earlier 20s. And I said to her during this podcast multiple times, 
I feel really bad because I haven't seen a fairy in a really long time. Maybe they don't want to talk to me anymore. Maybe they don't want to connect with me anymore. And I'm looking at it as they are the ones that ultimately had the choice not to connect with me. So stepping into my meditation, I'm tuning in with this consciousness, this voice that I hear that is laughing at me. And it came to my awareness that this was a fairy who, by the way, was sort of like a mischievous 10-year-old boy who was getting a kick out of messing with me, but he was trying to make a point and teach me a lesson. And in this conversation, he says to me, you forgot how to see fairies. And he said, you're doing a podcast on fairies and seeing fairies and talking about it as though you're an expert on it, yet you yourself forgot how to see fairies. You didn't even acknowledge us before you even started recording the podcast. You are so detached from the world of fairies that we were trying very hard to get your attention and you didn't even acknowledge us. It's not that we're not trying to connect with you. It's that you have forgotten how to see us. And unfortunately, this is the only way that we could get your attention. They had to like throw me into this tailspin of frustration to the point that I had to clearly see that something was interfering with us getting through this podcast. And I'm humbled and I feel really terrible because I realized the truth in that statement. I hadn't seen fairies in a long, long time. And I do realize that somewhere along the line, I got too mature, too cool, too distracted, whatever it may be. Although I do in my heart of hearts believe them, I got caught up. It was a very like Peter Pan scenario in a way. You grow up and you forget the magic. You lose that childlike wonder in you. And the fairies love that. They love the inner child and that's what they want to connect with. So I asked him, well, what is it that you didn't tell me that you wanted me to make a point of in the podcast, which we had not done before? And he said, I want you to make a point that we are real. And it is not that they don't show themselves to us is that we have forgotten how to be open to them. And they told me that there was a time that we were so much more open to the magic of the world of fairies and connecting to the earth spirits and the way the world has spun to where we are now, they have forgotten. The masses have forgotten and they love humans and they love interacting and they still do whether or not we see it or not, but they want to invite you back into their world. And this is the message that they wanted to bring across a few days after we recorded this podcast, I went to visit a friend and she says, I'm having a fairy gathering and we're making fairy furniture in little fairy villages. And I would like to invite you over to come play with all the fairy stuff. And my first thought was, oh, how peculiar is this? Because every time we record a podcast, the energies around whatever the topic is tend to amplify. And then here I am being invited to this, you know, fairy forest village making gathering with these women. And I could have gone. I could have made the effort to go. I decided even though I could have gone and I very much felt like I should have, I didn't because I had too many important adult things that were distracting me. And the day that I could have spent making fun little fairy things turned into a total stress load. And I was miserable that entire day. So I feel like the fairies the entire time were just sort of 
trying very hard to get me to stop and pause and pay attention and reignite the relationship. And the more and more I push that away, the more and more they made it more difficult for me to quote unquote adult. So it hit the wall of frustration. I finally heard them giggling at me. And that is what made me pause and turn my gaze upon them and reawaken my fairy relationships. So here I am humbled before you telling you that I, even me, yes, myself, once very open to fairies and communicating and talking, completely lost my fairy goggles. And now I have them back on and I'm excited about what's to come in my fairy reality moving forward. So with that, I'm going to hand this over to Patty and she's going to tell us a little bit about the basics of fairies and what they are and what exactly energetically are we looking at when we are communicating with fairy energy? Laju, that was a great story. I found myself kind of emotional in the middle of it. And I, I could see you were getting kind of emotional too. You know, we tend to take spirituality so seriously. You know, we're looking at how can we find balance between the physical and the spiritual? How can we bring our spirituality into the 3D to help us have easier lives? And what happens is, it sometimes becomes an effort. Even our spirituality becomes an effort and something on our to-do list. You know, I have to get to that meditation. And it's important that we take time to just tap into the magical. And spirituality can be fun and interesting and surprising and exhilarating. So this is a great reminder for all of us to mellow out a little bit and just allow ourselves to go into that inner child and tap into the magic because that's where elementals belong. And that's where they reside. That's what we're going to start off talking about. And I'll, I'll talk a little bit later about a story about some fairies that visited me after one of the attempted recordings. But for me lately, I've had a lot of strange things happening. I was backing out of my driveway and I just was looking up at my skylight because a tree had gone through my skylight a couple months ago and it was replaced and it just looked differently. And, and I'm looking at it thinking that looks a little different. And all of a sudden my skylight opens about three inches and then closes about three inches. And I thought, well, that's interesting. And then again, in my car, I was sitting at a stoplight, just holding onto my steering wheel. And all of a sudden my steering wheel just jerked, you know, a full 30 degrees to the left and then back. And then my dogs, my dogs were at the door going nuts, wanting to go out. And I was walking down the hall to let them out. And I heard a little girl's voice say, oh, you silly guys, it's okay. And then my dogs just stopped and I thought, what the heck was that? And my dogs, by the time I got to them, were just sitting there quietly staring at me like, what the hell just happened? And then just last night I was in my bathroom and I hear a man sneeze right outside my bathroom door, which scared the hell out of me. I knew my husband wasn't home and I went out and there was nothing there. So after hearing your story, Jude, I'm starting to wonder if maybe this is fairies kind of trying to get my attention and that little bit of mischief where they're just tapping in. But it is a trip how whenever we do a podcast, like Jude said, that energy is amplified and we start to deal with it during that period of time. So super interesting. All right, let's tap into elementals. So I wanted to start off with elementals because I was not fully sure what an elemental was and what that even meant. So I did a little bit of research on it. So the whole topic of elemental started in the 16th century by a Swiss doctor named Paracelsus. And he was kind of a no-nonsense, highly respected physician and alchemist and astrologer. And he came up with 
the topic and the term, he came up with the term elementals. Elementals are mystical beings that embody the four elements, earth, wind, fire, and water. But they do not have an immortal soul like humans. They are elemental beings. They come in four categories. The first one is earth, and it represents the direction of the north. And this includes such things as gnomes and nymphs and pixies and elves, unicorns, some fairy races, there are many different races of fairies, stone and crystal beings. These beings that belong to the earth element, as you might expect, are grounded and rooted. They're very loving towards mother nature and have a huge respect for her and protect her and they're very stable. They're here to assist us with grounding and security and foundation protection. And they also deal with material objects and possessions. The next category is undeves. Undeves are related to the element of water and thus they're also to the moon. And they belong to the direction of the west. And this includes mermaids, mermen, sprites, and water nymphs. And they are here to protect the water. They assist us with emotions and help us access our emotions and heal from them. They allow us to feel, to access love, to transmit love and affection. And they also open up joy, eroticism, and healing. And then we move on to fire and the south. So these beings are called salamanders. I have no idea why their name salamanders has absolutely no relationship to the amphibian salamander, but this is what they're called. And, you know, if you think of fire, you think of dragons spitting fire. So this is where dragons, genies, and the phoenix live. And this is all about willpower, intensity, creation, inspiration, passion, illumination, enlightenment. They can be a little more intense, a little feisty, a little cantankerous, and some either consider them dangerous. It's believed that it was the salamander elementals that actually taught man how to make fires. And they also use volcanic eruptions when they are angry. They are birth givers. They show up as electric fields of energy, orbs of fire. Uh, you might see smoke in the air, which means they're present. And that's the salamanders. And then we move to the last category, which is air and the east. And this is sylphs. Now sylphs represent the, the sky, the wind, the air, and zephyr. They are ascending energy, invisible light, transparency, detachment. You can see them in cloud formations. I don't know if you ever did this. When I was a kid, I loved to just lay on the grass and look at the clouds and, and look at cloud formations and they'll show up that way. They also can show up as swirls of energy in the sky. Um, you might be sitting there and it might almost be like you almost see the molecular quality of the ether or of the air. They can show up that way too. It's like they can take the quality of air and make it a little more dense. And they're about breathing and breath, mental clarity, inspiration, psychic abilities, telecommunication, and they also dominate the arts. Now, sometimes fairies show up in this element as well, because as I said before, there are many different races of, of fairies and they can show up as several different elementals. So we don't have enough time in this podcast to tap into all of those different elemental beings. So what we're going to do is we're going to go briefly into elves and gnomes, and then we're going to spend a little bit more time on fairies towards the end of the podcast. So talking about elves, elves are 
elves are these magical supernatural beings. They're believed to be an extension of the human race. Like they're a little human race of themselves. They're magical humans that live alongside of us. They tend to be hidden. They're small. They have a youthful energy and they're very powerful. And it's believed that they can have a little bit of a temper. Now, Iceland supposedly has a huge settlement of elves that live there and they're very respected and acknowledged and you can even go on elf spotting tours when you go to visit Iceland. So there are all these stories in Iceland about the elves and as we mentioned before that elves are part of the earth elementals and they have a respect for the earth and mother nature. So there are these stories in Iceland where they would be building highways or, or erecting buildings. And all of a sudden the elves would just lose their shit because they were really upset about the disruption to mother nature and they would get angry and they would start disrupting the process because they felt that the workers or the people were abusing the land and they would wreak havoc on job sites. And this apparently happens a lot. They would, you know, break equipment. They would cause illness for the workers. They'd come to work and there would be huge rocks that would be like placed in the middle of the only access roadway into this project. And they would kind of thwart the efforts that was happening with this building project. So what Icelanders would do is they would call in a medium and a medium would come in and they would sit with the elves and they would talk to them and try to soothe them. And they would try to negotiate and come up with ways that the elves would allow this process to continue without being too upset. And there have been times when the elves have worked in their favor and there have been times when they just haven't. And, you know, the project wasn't able to continue or it was moved to a different place. It's also believed that elves can put spells on people if they're unhappy. People that are not kind or respectful to nature, that elves will kind of jump in there and put some negative spells on them and cause illness or cause problems with them. So elves aren't always the type of, you know, the Christmas elf, although it is believed that they like to celebrate at that time and they have come forward. They do tend to be a little more active and a little more playful around the holidays and people do see them a lot more during the holidays, but they aren't actually fully connected with the holiday season, but they do celebrate it along with us. It's kind of like, I think we expect them to be there. So they're like, okay, we'll show up and can kind of play with the kids. So that's what I have on elves. I've never seen an elf or had any personal experiences with them. Have you, Jude? I have had one experience that I would put in the elf category. And what it was, was after I moved to Hawaii, I hadn't been here that long, but you know, this was in my earlier twenties and I had got this job doing auto body. Yes. Painting cars and fixing cars and all of that. That's what I used to do. So I'd be working in this garage with my boss, who is this local Filipino man. And I didn't want to weird him out, but every so often I would see these maybe three to four foot tall figures moving through the garage and they would always catch my eye and I'd look over and this had gone on for weeks and weeks. One day during a lunch break, we started talking about some supernatural things. And I looked to my boss and I said, you know, I see these like little three to four foot tall people walking around in here. And he shot his head over at me and his jaw was open and his eyes were wide and he was stunned. Like he knew what I was talking about. And I looked at him and I was like, wait, what do you know what I'm talking about? And he goes, the menahune. And living in Hawaii, you hear that word often menahune, but 
I hadn't been here long enough to really understand what it was. And he tells me this story. So he had rented out this garage, which was part of another bigger property where this man had lived. And, you know, and he had the state of the art set up. He had all the things. It was a very big space. Well, when he first started renting it, the man who lived on the property, the owner would contact him in the morning and say, I don't want you working in the garage late at night. It's disrupting our sleep. We can hear you running tools and tinkering and hammering away on metal pipes and whatever the noises were. And my boss was like, I wasn't in there. I swear I wasn't in there. And this would happen again. And my boss got into this little fit of paranoia that, oh my gosh, is somebody in the neighborhood sneaking in and utilizing his tools? So he started taking protective measures and the owner would call again. And one night he called at like two o'clock in the morning. He said, I hear somebody over there in the garage making a lot of noise. Somebody's in there banging away at stuff. So he went to the garage, rushed over there. Nobody was there. The place was locked. The lights were off. There was no way anybody was going to get in. He had somebody local come down to see what was going on. And they said that right behind the garage was what he called a Menahune trail, which is sort of like an energetic ley line or a trail that is known where these Menahune would travel through. And if you live where these crossings are of these Menahune, the people are often disrupted. They hear a lot of noise. They hear a lot of tinkering. They're not sleeping very good. So what is a Menahune? So Menahune, um, part of the Hawaiian tradition, are these three to four foot tall dwarf people who live deep in the jungle, deep in the mountains, and they're known to be amazing craftspeople, like they build walls and roads and temples and fish ponds here. And there's been stories going back forever about Menahune, where the tribes people would be building structures and then wake up the next day and everything had been done. And they would credit the Menahune for coming in and helping to build these in the middle of the night. So if you've ever lived in Hawaii or been part of it here, Menahune is the word. And I'm guessing based on the description Patty said that these are sort of like elves. And it sort of makes sense too, because I was in this play in elementary school called Elves and the Shoemaker. And it's a story about the shoemaker who was having a hard time, who was very poor and nobody was buying his shoes. And these elves would come in the middle of the night and make these amazing shoes and everybody wanted them. And the shoemaker became very successful. So there's a story from another culture where these little beings were coming in and building things. And as Patty had mentioned, the elves from Santa Claus and Christmas time, and they make these toys. And here I am talking about Menahune and supposedly they're great builders. So there seems to be a common theme, no matter where you are in the world, what part, what section, that there are these little dwarf beings that are sort of hidden and tucked away, but come out and they're crafty beings. I guess that would be my only firsthand experience. And it's not like I saw like a little person. It was just, in my viewpoint, it was just clearly somebody 
or something that was three or four feet tall that had sort of a figure of a head, shoulders and body, but it would move so quickly. It was like sort of translucent moving through the space. I definitely had an awareness that it was a figure of some sort, but I couldn't explain why it looked so little until my boss had told me about the Menahune. Fascinating. Okay. Let's move on to gnomes. Gnomes belong to the earth elementals. Gnomes, they are not considered part of the human race. They are actually mystical creatures. They're small mystical creatures. They look kind of human-like to most people that see them. They sometimes resemble small hairy men. And, you know, I haven't heard a lot about people seeing female gnomes. I've seen some gnomes in the past, but they've always been masculine. They've looked more male to me. So I'm curious about that. But anyway, they are quiet. They're fairly private and they guard the earth's treasures. They love mother earth. They protect her. They are known to be miners. They go down into the earth and they bring out metals and ores and they collect treasures such as stones and gold and silver and jade. They have, um, they're a little bit materialistic in that they have little, little treasure troves that they keep. Sometimes people will be walking around the forest and they'll find a little collection of things and those might belong to the gnomes. They're um, wonderful friends with the animal kingdom, especially deer, rabbits, birds, foxes, and squirrels. They tend to be a little more stubborn, a little more serious, kind of bossy and grumpy. When they deal with humans, they're here to encourage stability, anchoring, and grounding. And we can call on gnomes to help watch over our land, over our garden, our harvest, our animals. In a lot of societies, they would call in the gnomes to watch over their herds and keep them safe from other predators and other animals. So gnomes will be helpful, but they also have absolutely zero tolerance for any abuse to mother earth or mother nature, kind of similar to the elves. They will play tricks on people that don't respect the earth. If you're not in tune and respectful with nature, they just won't have anything to do with you or they will make your life kind of difficult. They can be a little, a little mischievous and a little, a little grumpy. They, um, they tend to be a little more simple-minded, and I don't mean to put down the gnomes, but they aren't as complex as a lot of the other elementals, especially those that belong to the earth area. So I have had some experience with gnomes. I live in Humboldt County. It's highly forested. It's beautiful. And we do have a lot of gnomes that live here. I have a client friend who purchased a new house and she called me out to do a house clearing for her. And she was feeling some energy in some of the rooms that she wanted me to come take a look at. So as I walked up to her house, there's kind of a sloping hill that comes down towards her house. And I was really drawn to this hill. And I said, whoa, there's so much energy coming down that hill towards your house. And she said, I know. And then there was one little area that was a total portal. I just really could sense it. And I said, this is a portal right here. And she was kind of shaking her head the whole time too. She's very, very psychic herself. And gnomes are multidimensional beings and they can live in nature, but also in different dimensions than us. And this portal was clearly, and I got the word gnome immediately, even though I didn't physically see them, it's almost as if they were telling me, introducing themselves to me telepathically. And I was kind of passing this on to her. So this portal was a way that they could go in and out of travel 
in and out from dimension to dimension. However, they had the ability to come through and live in nature and then travel back through this portal. And, you know, it just was a magical place. And she had told me that she sensed that too. And her husband was clearing the hill and she told him, stay away from this area. You know, you're not, not allowed to do anything here that we need to respect the spot. And so he listened to her and it was a good thing that he did. So as I continued to talk to the gnomes outside her house, we hadn't even gotten to the inside yet. They were explaining or confirming that this was a portal that they used, and it was also an animal trail. And so it was important that we didn't disturb that for the animals, that the animals traveled through that, but also for them. They wanted adults to stay out of that area, but they said that the kids were okay playing in that spot, which I thought was really interesting. So we moved from the outside into the inside of the house and we went upstairs and in one of the rooms that was supposed to be one of the the kids' rooms, they hadn't quite moved in yet, there was a gnome kind of standing off in the corner, kind of in the closet. And he looked to me to be about three, four feet tall, hairy, looked like a man. And he was very shy, but he kind of had his arms crossed in front of his chest, almost like, I know you see me, what are you going to do about it? You know, kind of challenging me a little bit. And so I, I just kind of sat with him for a while and I had a conversation with him and I know this sounds really weird. And I explained to him that these people were moving in, that they are very aware of their presence, that they want to be respectful and helpful, but that this bedroom was going to be for one of the children and that he needed to vacate the house. And that you know, the, the owners weren't comfortable with their baby sleeping in a room that was inhabited by gnomes. So I spoke with him for a while. We made some promises back and forth. I asked nicely. He was a little bit stubborn, but he finally gave in. And he said that he liked the woman owner because she did recognize this portal because she did see them as well. And she saw him and described him exactly the same way that I had seen him. And he told me that they would like sweets, candy, and, and I know this sounds more like a Christmas elf, but this was a gnome. And so he asked for her to leave candy for them outside. And she started doing that. She started, you know, buying candy at the store and putting little bowls of candy outside. And that satisfied the gnomes and they stopped coming in and they got to a point where they welcomed the family and the family felt more protected by them than invaded. You know, it just was fascinating though, after when I was explaining to her what I saw and she explained it afterwards that she sees the exact same thing. And she says that she sees them outside of her house a lot, kind of going in and out of that portal area that when the kids are are playing, they kind of like to sit back in the shadows and watch the kids play outside. And they also wanted to warn her about some animals that crossed over. They said that there was a family of foxes and that they tend to walk through the driveway area. And so they asked her to remind her husband to slow down and he's backing out of the driveway to protect this family of foxes. It was fascinating. And when I'm hiking a lot in my area here where I live, I sense a lot of things happening in the forest outside of my peripheral. Like I'll just turn or I'll hear a crackle of something like something's walking next to me. And I really believe that it's more gnome energy than anything else. So Jude, I know you used to live here too. When you lived in Humboldt, did you sense the gnome energy here? Totally. And I love hearing your explanation of it because it's pretty much exactly my experience. I think the first time that I started seeing gnomes was right in the beginning of my spiritual awakening when I was in my late teens. And at the same time, my spirit guide was coming into my awareness. I would also have awareness of these like little people that were huddled by my feet. It was almost 
like there were maybe four or five of these little beings that looked like gnomes. I mean, just like the classic garden gnomes you see with the little top hat that looks kind of funny. And they had this kind of squat, roly poly round thick bodies. And they would huddle maybe four or five of them by my feet. And there was a couple of times that I had seen this. And it was usually when I was really far out in nature. And in those moments when I was able to communicate with my spirit guides and I took notice, but I didn't know what they were. But even at that point, I thought those look like gnomes, but I didn't know enough about dimensions and realms. I remember clearly thinking they were gnomes. And this is what we might describe as having a direct knowing, but I wasn't yet fully ready to accept that they were gnomes. It wasn't until much, much, much later I moved to Humboldt after living in Hawaii for a little while, and we rented this house on the coast. Almost immediately, as soon as I went into the house, I would see two or three of these short, as Patty describes, about three foot tall, squatty energies moving through the house. And it was different than what I described as the Menahune energies. It was clearly different to me. And I like how Patty described them as being these kind of very simplistic energies. They have an energetic density to them. They're very kind of like low to the ground, simple, and a denseness to them. It sort of reminds me of the density of a mushroom. Or when you see like mushrooms, how you see like a cluster of mushrooms, oftentimes when I've seen the gnome energies, they seem to move in clusters where if one's moving, I'll see two or three of them moving right behind them. Or if one's sitting, I'll see two or three of them sitting around them. So I saw these little beings moving in and out of the different rooms of this house I was moving in. And once again, I heard that clear knowing these are gnomes. But even then in my earlier 20s, I was not yet fully ready to accept that that was what I was seeing. It was way easier for me to accept fairy energy because I've seen it. But gnomes, I mean, gnomes is a whole other thing. So I wasn't really certain, but over the years living up in Humble, and I was up there for maybe almost 10 years before I moved back to Hawaii, there were multiple times over the years that I had been walking through the redwoods, which for those of you who have never been there are these huge, gigantic trees. Some of them can be as wide as a house or you can drive your car into and you feel so tiny and minuscule in these gigantic forests with these giant ferns at the bottom. And there is such a strong sense of that magical fairy world in there. And up in Humboldt, there's like little pockets within the community where it still holds that same vibration with the redwood trees and there's tons of gnome energy up there. And every so often I would pick up or see or catch in the corner of my eye, something moving around that I would consider to be a gnome. And I remember one time having this conversation with a woman and she was talking about them and we were comparing notes. And I remember feeling so validated. Finally, that was finally the time I was able to accept that that in fact was what I was seeing. They were gnomes. This other woman saw the same thing. And after meeting Patty and hearing her gnome stories, yes, I believe Humboldt to be a strong gnome portal. Above all others, gnomes seem to be the most common thing that are moving in and out of that space up there. I agree with everything you said. I see them very much the same way. I've never seen one fully embodied as like a hairy man per se, but 
they're definitely these short, squatty, all male, never saw a female energies. And they seem very simple and very connected to the earth and not a far stretch to see if you set the intention to open up your awareness to them because they do have this density to them. It's a little bit different than fairies. Fairies are very light and airy and wispy where these gnomes are almost like, like I said, mushrooms walking around. (laughs) It's like the best description I have. Yeah, I love that. And the thing about gnomes is they're not malicious or dangerous, but they can annoy you if they're unhappy with you or if you make them angry. They have a little bit of a trickster kind of energy. All right, let's dive into fairies. So yes, Jude, I totally agree with you about the energy of fairies. Fairies have a a different energy than elves or gnomes. It's more of a higher vibration. It's a little more refined, lighter, kind of sparkly energy. And fairies are non-human, metaphysical, supernatural beings that vibrate at this nice, super high frequency. They belong to the earth elemental group, but some fairy races are seen more in the sylphs, which is that air group. There's a race of fairies that are a little more alien-like, and they tend to belong more to the sylphs than to the earth. There are many, many different um, races of fairies. Some have wings, some do not. Some are tiny, some are larger. Some are light and have this nice light energy. Some have a little more of a darker, dense energy about them. But they're most often small-ish. They are powerful. They are young at heart. They're playful. They're mischievous. And they're invisible to many. So Jude and I have been talking about seeing elves, seeing gnomes, Sometimes things show up as plain as day, like you're looking at your brother, you're looking at an elf. Other times they show up kind of holographical, or like Jude said, you'll see a little bit of an outline of a human form, or it might show up as like a sparkly light. And in your mind's eye, you just know what that looks like if you were to take it to the next step. So some people can see fairies, some people cannot, some people see them as little sparkling lights or orbs, some see them as little twinkling beings, they come in many different forms, they also love nature, some live indoors, but most of them tend to live outdoors out in nature and forests near streams or creeks, they like to be around water and around flowers. Some of the races really are here to help bring joy, to help us connect with our playful side, like Jude's story at the beginning, to help us connect with our inner child, to connect with the magic in life, to not take ourselves or the world around us so seriously. They help us to connect with nature and really take note of its beauty and the importance of it and how it can bring us joy and balance our energies. Some races are friendly and kind, some are not so friendly and kind. Most of the fairies are really connected with animals and with children. They can assist children through difficult times. A lot of times children that have gone through times of trauma or abuse will describe being visited by fairies during that time. They're there to just kind of lighten things up, to be playful and to be helpful. They are craftsy, creative, they're herbalists. They tend to love and work with herbs and plants and flowers and nature's gifts. They leave fairy circles. So these fairy circles can be like a circle of flowers or a little circle of mushrooms or a circle of stones. They tend to, when they gather, leave a little circle. So if you're out in nature and you see things in kind of a peculiar circle, they could even be mushrooms growing in a circular space. That's something to let you know that fairies are near. They can also be ugly 
and unfriendly and annoying and even cruel. They're believed to pester and steal animals. It's said that some fairies steal children and take them as slaves. I've never heard of that happening, but that is something that fairies can be blamed for, some of these darker races of fairies. If a fairy is angry with you or doesn't approve of something you do or the way you're acting, like putting out a podcast without checking with them first, they will pester you, annoy you, harass you, and just make things not go smoothly. They're known to steal or move belongings, like they might take your keys or move your keys or hide them just to mess with you. They're known to take jewelry for their own from people. And if you're not a person that values nature, chances are that they will not like you and you will not have a good experience with them. So that's something to keep in mind. So sometimes they allow themselves to be seen. Other times they don't. They have the ability to be invisible and then manifest into something that we can physically see when they want to. They may show up in your peripheral or as a shadow or as a little spark of lights or flickers or twinkles or orbs. You may see their reflection in water. A lot of people will be looking into a little stream or a little pond and see the reflection of a fairy rather than seeing the fairy itself. You may hear laughter or music or flutes. They like air instruments in the background. The experiences I've had with fairies, they usually show up as little sparkles or something out of my peripheral. And I tend to hear a muted song being sung or little muted voices or like this little flute instruments that get my attention. That's how they show up to me most of the time. Um, You might feel like you're just being watched. You might be out in nature. And again, you just feel like something's looking at you or you're called to a certain dark area of the forest. They sometimes will just follow you because they're curious about us. And you might pick up on that. If you notice that your pets are behaving oddly, or it looks like they're in the corner messing around with something or playing with something, or they're interested or nervous, they might show up that way. A lot of cats, I have a lot of clients that have had fairy orbs in their house and cats really recognize that they'll play with it and kind of follow it. And then they'll get frightened and hide. So watching your cat react with different sparkles of lights or orbs or something you might see or, or your dog is a really interesting way to know that it's more than a reflection coming through the window. So just knowing that they are there and feeling their vibrational frequency is the best way to just open to it. Just don't take some of those senses for granted. If you feel like something's there, if you see something out of your peripheral, if you invite it in and engage with it, there's a chance that you might open up that connection. So Jude And I have both had some experiences with fairies that we'll go into, but Jude has some amazing stories. So I'm going to hand it over to you, Jude. Yeah, this is kind of nice that we're doing this a third time because now I've had a few weeks to process all of my experience and reignite the magic and the memories that I once had. I tried to share this on the last few podcasts that we recorded that didn't make it. But I had some realization after in the weeks following coming up to this one is that I used to see fairies a lot. I used to be very open to them. Back when I didn't have children or a lot of responsibilities and life was sort of like this, anything could happen at any moment. My inner child was very alive. Everything was playful. Everything was fun. I was very open to seeing fairies. I am one of those people who can actually see them embody where I can tell you what they look like from head to toe and where they're at. It doesn't always happen like that, but I've had windows of that 
opening up. And I'm going to share how that happened with you now. So when I was in high school, me and a friend found this spell book and there was a spell in there on how to see fairies. And if I recall, we had to collect the morning dew under a specific moon of a specific date. And then that night under that full moon, we were supposed to rub the morning dew on our eyes and recite this incantation and wish to see fairies. And so we did this, we went out there and I was very skeptical. I was pretty young. I wasn't sure if I really believed in any of it, but I was playing along because I was curious and we did the ritual and I opened my eyes and I saw all of these little glittering lights everywhere. On one hand, I was pretty blown away. On the other hand, I was like, this is a trick of my eyeballs or something strange is going on here medically that I don't understand. But I was trying to deny that I was seeing anything supernatural in that moment. But I always think back to that time because little did I know later on in life, I would be fully open to seeing fairies. And I wonder if that initial fairy spell kind of broke that open for me way back when. So I would say I was about 20, 21 years old. I was living in Santa Cruz at the time. And it was very early this one morning and I had let my dogs out to go pee and the sun was up and cresting through the treetops and there was all this morning dew all over the grass and it was glistening like little rainbow diamonds everywhere and it was just so magical and I immediately felt like I wanted to do this thing that I know how to do called a heart song and a heart song is sort of like a chanting meditation where you tap into a song that is sort of channeled through your heart space and what it does when you're able to tap into it is dissolve all dimensions so you can see between past present and future and the fairy realms and the earth realms and any dimensions that you can imagine basically all of those veils are dissolved and so I had been practicing this form of meditation called a heart song. And I'd gotten quite good at it where I could kind of jump right into it very quickly and then feel connected with my spirit guides and connecting with all the other energies that were available to me during those meditations. So here I am out in the field, glistening dewdrops, And I decide to start singing one of these heart songs because I want to tap into the magic in this field. And I'm singing the heart song and I'm feeling pretty good. And my dogs start rumbling through the grass and barking and being all crazy. And I stop my heart song and I'm yelling at the dogs, hey, cut it out, you guys, stop it. And then they calm down and I go right back into my heart song. And I'm going into the heart song and then the dogs start getting rambunctious again. And I'm screaming at them, get over here, screaming at the top of my lungs. And then I try going back into my heart song. And when I went back into it again, I swear I heard maybe like hundreds of little voices giggling and laughing at me. And I realized they're laughing at me at the absurdity that I am trying to tap into this very spiritual, mystical song, and then quickly jumping to cussing at my dogs for being crazy and then trying to jump back into the song. They were getting a real kick out of me doing this flip-flop, trying to tap into the moment while my dogs were pissing me off. So in that moment, I heard them, and this was the first time I had heard fairies, and I heard them loud and clear, and it was undeniable to me that I was perceiving it. And so I said to the voices, I tapped into their consciousness, and I said, I hear you, 
And if you are truly, truly real, I wish so badly, I wish more than anything that I could actually see you, like see your face and meet you, meet one of you. And uh, I wished that with all of my might. I got my dogs and moved on with my day. Shortly thereafter, this weird thing started happening. I would be talking to people and all of a sudden, all of these images would start flashing in front of my mind's eye of them doing weird things. Okay. Just strange, absurd. Why am I thinking of this person doing all of these strange things? It was like this, like flash images, like boom, 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 like a strobe light of images of everybody I would talk to that were sometimes inappropriate or just absolutely ridiculous. And it was kind of haunting me. And this goes on for weeks and it's escalating and escalating. And what I'm also now noticing after a few weeks of this is I would simultaneously feel this like little tapping right in the center of my forehead. And I thought that was peculiar too. One day I was with my partner at the time and we were driving through the redwoods And all of a sudden I started getting all of those flash images, though I was not talking to anybody. And at the same time, I felt this very intense tapping and I felt the tapping harder than I'd ever felt it before. So it brought my gaze and my attention up to the tapping. And I saw in my mind's eye, two little beings arm in arm dancing the do-si-do on the center of my forehead. And as they're dancing and as they're tapping their feet, every time they would kick their feet down on my forehead, another image would flash into my mind's eye. And I was quite stunned by this. And so telepathically, I said to them, hey, cut that out. I see you up there. And it stopped and everything was clear. And I was like, whoa, that was really weird. And we're driving. And the next thing I know, the tapping starts again. And I start seeing all these weird images in my mind's eye. And I look up to my third eye again and I see it. Clearly, there are these two little things on my forehead dancing around. And I said, stop. Why are you doing that? Stop it. And they stop again. I'm getting a clearer image at this point what they are. They sort of look like two little fuzzy lights about the size of maybe a penny. And it was like a fuzzy white light cotton ball. And they had these teeny tiny little skinny little arms and teeny tiny little feet and two little black eyes like how a mouse's eyes are just right in the front and a little time goes by. And that next thing I know, I start feeling this tapping on my head again. And the third time I feel it and they're not stopping. I clearly hear this little girl's voice say, cut it out, you rascals. And in front of my eyes appears a fairy. It's a little girl. She must've been about I would say five or six inches tall. She was right in front of me on the dashboard because I was in the car. My partner was driving, so he wasn't paying attention to anything that was going on. I'm just sitting there having this experience. I see this fairy girl show up in front of me and she was stunning. Unlike anything I'd ever seen in my life. She had a oversized head, very thin kind of gaunt features, but her eyes are what struck me. They were super long and very skinny. It was almost like if you had taken two black ballpoint pens and put them on either side of her face, it was like these slits, these long black slits that went up probably two thirds of the length of her face on either side. It was so jarring and 
unbelievable that I was seeing it, but at the same time, so beautiful and almost, I don't want to say frightening, but just, I'd never seen anything like it. And I rubbed my eyes because I was like, surely I'm not seeing this. And I opened my eyes again. And yet there she still was. And beside her were the two little fuzzy white balls that she called the rascals. And so I will refer to them as that. So here's this beautiful little fairy girl in the rascals. And I'm telepathically speaking to her and I'm like, oh my gosh, like, are you real? Like, what am I seeing? And I said, and what were you doing to me? And she starts explaining everything to me. She said, we are very pure spirits. And she said, everything in your reality, everything in your existence has a spirit. She said, every tree has a spirit. Every individual tree has a spirit. Every blade of grass has a spirit. All of grass has a spirit. The color of grass has a spirit. Every flower has a spirit. Everything in your natural world has a spirit. And if you were to take the purity of any energy and give it consciousness, this is what we are. And she said, sometimes we're really good and we help you and we give you luck and we make you find things and we bring you things and we bring you joy and happiness and fun. And she said, sometimes we're not happy with you and we poke you and prod you and make you lose things and make you trip and fall and stumble or make you feel like you're having bad luck. The rascals, for some reason, didn't like something about my behavior or my personality in that moment. And I can't quite recall what it was, but I was only 20 years old. So I'm sure there was something quite out of balance with me at that point in time, but they saw something in me that they wanted to pick at and poke at. They weren't necessarily evil or mean. They were more mischievous and kind of like pranksters. They were taking something about me and putting it back in my own face and making a point with it. And so after they said that to me, I said to them, you really hurt my feelings. That was really mean of you to do that to me. I think you took it too far because they kind of wrecked the last two weeks of me being able to even have a conversation with somebody without having these weird images pop into my mind's eye. And at the same time, they had these two cute, teeny tiny little voices and they only talked in unison and they said, we're sorry. And it was super cute. And the little girl, the little female fairy, she was sort of like the embodiment of like a six-year-old little girl, really sweet, really innocent, but at the same time acting kind of like a bigger sister or like the elder to these two little rascals. Like uh, she was kind of putting them in their place and speaking on my behalf. And I'm looking at her in all her glory and all her beauty. And I said, is it okay if I draw a picture of you? And she got so excited. She was like, oh my gosh, a picture of me? Like she was so flattered. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to draw you like this, uh, your long hair. And she said, hair? Like she thought the idea of her having hair was this amazing thing because she is an energetic interdimensional being. And the way they probably view their hair is not how humans view our hair. So she was excited at the idea of me saying, I'm going to put real hair on you in the drawing and these real clothes on you. But though her energy to me looked like an energy body, it, she didn't look physical. She looked holographic, but very clear. It was a see-through holographic version of her, but clear enough that I could totally make out every detail of what she looked like. 
And after I explained to her what I was going to draw her as, the little rascals looked at me and in unison said, can we draw you? And I was like, all excited. I was like, oh my gosh, you can draw me. How are you going to draw me? And next thing I know, they start kind of dancing around. And as they're dancing around this little like light, and it looked like somebody had a pen made out of light and they drew my face, a perfect of an outline of my face as I've ever seen. And I like was stunned. I opened, I was like, oh my gosh, that looks just like me. And then the face started contorting and sticking out its tongue and doing raspberries and and wiggling around and making all these silly faces. And then I started cracking up. They made my face animate and do all these funny faces at myself. So they are playful and they are fun. And the little girl fairy looked at me and said, okay, we have to go now. And I was quite sad. And I said, will I ever be able to see you again? And she said, maybe one day. And she left and then they were gone. And I was just sitting in the car, driving through the redwoods, like nothing had happened. And I was sitting there just stunned. A lot of the times when I have these kind of openings where I'm having these strong visions and downloads of what's happening, it happens so fast. And I get so caught up in the moment. Once it's over is when I get that chance to be like, what the heck just happened? Like I catch myself. It's sort of like that reality check. And I'm in the midst of that. Just when I'm about to deny in my mind that I even saw that at all, she pops back in and she says, by the way, my name is Marmalade and I'm the fairy of wishes and then disappeared again. And at the same time she said that she showed me in my mind's eye, me in that field a few weeks prior, wishing that I would be able to see a fairy in person. So I knew my wish had come true. And that was the first time I ever saw a fairy. And that opened up the gateway for me to see more fairies, which I saw a good handful of them over the next few years. What I realize now that I had not realized when I had recorded this podcast a few weeks ago is that somewhere along the line, just a few short years after that first initial contact, I forgot how to see them. I got too caught up in the stresses of my life. I got too caught up with being a responsible adult and needing to be more focused on surviving and raising a family and whatever it may be. And though over the years, there were these teeny tiny little windows where I would pick up on fairy energy, like walking through the woods, I would feel a presence or I might see a little sparkle or glitter of light here and there. I stopped having those face-to-face conversations with them. And when Patty and I had recorded the podcast a few weeks ago, I was kind of upset realizing it. I just hadn't thought about it when I I started counting up the years. And I was like, my gosh, it's been maybe 15 years since I've seen one's face. And I thought, wow, do they not like me anymore? Do they not want to connect with me anymore? So that is my realization. And that was the humbling lesson that I had to learn was that I had forgotten because I got too caught up. And so ultimately, that's the message that the fairy that visited me this time, which had the embodiment of a mischievous prankster little boy to point it out to me that I had lost touch and wanted me to make a point to you that you all have the ability to connect and see and play within these fairy realms. And the first thing you have to do is believe in them. And the second thing you have to do is play with them. So before I get into any other of my little fairy stories, is there anything you'd like to add to that? 
I love that story. So yeah, I want to add when the rascals came to visit me. So we had met for the first time, the first attempt to do this podcast and it wasn't working out, but we turned everything off and Jude told me about the story, which I thought was amazing. So the second attempt that we had scheduled the night before we were going to record this the second time, I was getting ready to go to bed and I kind of closed my eyes and I called in the fairy realm and I said, is there anything that you would like me to say on your behalf or is there anything you would like us to address in the podcast tomorrow. I was just kind of closing down, waiting for that to happen. And I kept feeling something at the top of my head on the left side towards the back, like a little tickle. And I scratched my head and I'd go back and I'd ask again, and then I'd scratch my head. And then it started moving. And I started thinking, what, is there a spider in my hair? You know, so I'm pulling at my hair and then it stops you know, kind of twitching or tapping. And then I close my eyes again and I go back into asking the fairies if there's anything. And this kept happening. And at one point I was like, my head was over the side of the bed. I was raking my hands through my hair. Sure. There was some big spider crawling in my head. I got up and went to the bathroom and turned on the light and it just kept happening over and over. And so I went back to bed and I'm like, okay, once again, is there anything that you want me to address tomorrow? And then I remembered Jude's story. And I thought, could this be fairies? I thought, no, I'm just grabbing onto Jude's little rascal story. You know, I need to let that go. And so I said, you know, if this is fairy energy trying to get my attention, will you prove it by hopping over to the opposite side of my head from the left side of my part over to the right side of my part. And so I closed my eyes for a minute. And then I felt that same little thing on my right eyebrow, like this little, like almost like you have a spider in your hair or a spider on you, just that little bit of a tappy fluttery thing. And so I kind of laughed to myself and I said, well, what do you want me to know? What do you want me to pass on? And then I would feel it again at the top of my head. And then at one point it felt like it split into two little beings and I wasn't seeing these. I was only feeling them. And it was almost like they were traversing down my face, one on the right side, and it would stop again in my eyebrow and it tickled my eyebrow. The other one traversed down the left side onto my eyelashes. It felt like something was hopping along my eyelashes. And then one would go down and tickle the top of my lip. And, and I was just kind of playing with this. And I said, could you just come like, you know, I had my hands folded on top of my chest. I said, can you just come down and stop tickling me and land on my hands and tell me what you want? And then I felt a little flutter on my hands and I was really hoping I was going to see it, but I didn't see anything. And I got the clear message that we invite you to be playful. We bring in joy, but we want to be taken seriously. We want everyone to know that we are real. We want people to know that we exist and that we are here. And then I instantly fell asleep. So when Jude called me or texted me the other day about her trying to get these messages and, and said that she had got this message, I reminded her that I'd gotten that same message from them, you know, before we attempted the second time. So they were definitely trying to get through. And, you know, the meaning of this podcast is supposed to be less about what they are and more about letting you know that they exist and they are out there. I took psychic classes for, I think, 14 years with the same teacher and many years in she was talking about fairies and I stopped. And I said, but are fairies really real? And she looked at me like so disappointed in me and said, yes, fairies are real. And so I started thinking back on my childhood and remembering that I would just beg and pray and hope that they would let me see them. And it's almost as if I knew they were there. And I used to draw fairies all the time. I would draw what I knew they looked like, but they just wouldn't form into full third dimensional beings, which is what I really, really wanted. And I think so many times we can get hung up on wanting that to happen, that we miss things. We miss how they're showing up in other ways for us. 
And that's what I did as a child. I, I spent so much time begging them to come in three-dimensional form that I was losing, you know, fun playtime with them in the spiritual realms. A couple of years ago, I was at a priestess retreat in England. And then I met my husband and we went over to Ireland and I'd never been to Ireland before. And, you know, every place we go has its own unique geographical energy and Ireland was amazing, but there was so much fairy energy there. I felt like there were little twinkling lights around me all of the time. Like there are beings with me, my husband and I went on a hike and there was this one little forest and I posted a picture of it on our Instagram. I mean, I, I just was stunned. And I said, that's a fairy forest. And he said, oh, I know I even feel it. It just was filled with sparkly lights and little tiny orbs. And you could just feel the energy. And I could hear that little rush of the wind that had little voices on it. It was just magical. So I would just like to invite you to pay attention to what you sense. And we all get information differently. You may not see it, you know, it's clearly as Jude can, but you may sense that something's there. A lot of times I think, you know, if I could draw really well, I could draw exactly what this looks like because it's in my mind's eye rather than in my eyes. So just play with that and allow yourself to explore these other realms, whether it be elves or fairies or gnomes. And again, don't take spirituality so playful. We have to tap into that magical place to really experience the magical side of everything. I couldn't agree more, Patty. And I just find it so interesting that they really wanted the point to get across to both of us about making that point that they, yeah, they are real. They are not make-believe. They're not part of your storybook. They're not a fantasy. All of these stories stemmed from somewhere and it stemmed from a time when people were much more aware and open spiritually and wanting to bridge these stories to people. And I think there's something to be said in the way that so many people resonate with those stories because there's something deep in our cellular memory that knows this to be true. And this is why we cherish these tales. And going more into seeing fairies in the third dimensional space, even though I've seen them manifest in a way that I would consider sort of physical, they were still always translucent. They were still always clearly energy. I never seen them like you see in the little kids movies where there's like an actual physical, like if it were a mouse or something running across your floor, I never seen them like that, but I've seen them manifest enough where they did interact with the physical space. And the more I got to know fairies, the more I understood them to be interdimensional beings. They aren't ruled by time and distance like we are in this third dimensional space. So they can kind of transport from one place to the next. I believe in a way a fairy in Ireland could probably manifest here if it really felt the call or manifest anywhere. But I also believe that there are certain fairy portals, certain vortexes that fairies are very attracted to because of the frequency. And there's also a huge reason why children tend to be the ones because they have a higher, lighter, more innocent, more playful energy. So, and I can't stress enough because of the lesson that I just got about reawakening that inner child and bringing that playful nature back into your spirit. And this is what's going to help open up that gateway to be able to communicate and see fairies. So just a few other little, you know, stories, little tidbit stories about times that I've seen fairies. I've definitely seen plenty of lights. I've definitely love how you said, hear the little voices on the wind because that's exactly how they sound. It sounds like this wind comes in and there's all these little voices carried upon it. These teeny tiny little playful voices. So 
I can hear them, I can sense them and I see the lights, but it's very rarely that I'll have a direct conversation or see them sort of manifest in front of me. And one of the ones that I saw was a few times there was this beautiful, brilliant lavender, like the most lavender, lavender, brilliant, beautiful light. And it was this orb that would fly around me and it would zip around me sort of like how dragonflies go, but it didn't look like a dragonfly. It was clearly an orb, but it had that fluttering, like, like you can tell that there's wings going by you very quickly. And there had been a few occasions that I had seen this little purple orb on different days at different times. Well, finally, after seeing it for a few times, I started paying attention to it a little bit more and I got a little bit more curious. And as I put my gaze upon it, kind of like, what are you? Are you something beyond just an energy? Cause it felt like it had consciousness and it started flying around me and it got closer and closer. And at one of the times it swept by me, it got really close to my face. And as it got close to my face, I could clearly see it. It was the most beautiful winged fairy. This is the only time I've ever seen a winged fairy, but she had periwinkle lavender skin, these beautiful deep black, like almond angled eyes. She had a kind of a voluptuous little body, sort of like Tinkerbell and sweet and playful. And she had the presence and energy of like a 15 year old girl, somebody who was not quite a woman but still in touch with like that playful innocence of her youth. And she had this really kind of confident, not afraid to be as beautiful as she can. She loved being beautiful. She loved being sparkly. She loved dancing and, and showing the world around her, anybody who could see how beautiful that she truly was. And it felt very fitting thinking back now at that time that I would see her because this was an energy that I very much needed in those earlier years of my young womanhood. So that is another time I got to see one full face. Another time I saw one was very interesting. I was up in the Adirondacks and camping with some friends. And we were camping in this area that had a lot of swamps up in the hills. It was a very remote area. It's a place where you hear a lot of frogs and crickets. And it was a very kind of boggy type energy. Well, we were all hanging out and everybody one by one within our group just started getting depressed and getting in a foul mood. And they started thinking about things from their past and they were just getting all just weird. Like we were going there to have fun and hang out and have a good time. And everybody just started getting in their own heads and just being bummed out about things. And I was like, what is going on? And it was like one by one by one, as the hours went on into the evening, everybody started getting into a funk and the whole vibe just was squashed. It sucked. Well, I felt like I had an awareness that this was weird and peculiar, but nobody else seemed to catch on that everybody was going into this weird headspace. And the next thing I know, I find myself in a weird headspace and I'm thinking about something just really weird and I get all quiet and we're all sitting there in silence and nobody's talking, nobody's hanging out and I snap out of it. The reason I snapped out of it was because in my mind's eye, I saw this strange looking fairy. It was like staring me right in my face. And it looked like like Area 51 gray alien, the, the face, the kind of pointy face with the big black eyes on top of a frog's body. So that's my description. It was like an alien's head on top of a frog's body. And it was staring me in the face and sort of hypnotizing me into going into this deep, dark, swampy, depressive, murky 
place in my mind, which was very fitting to this little vortex of energy we were in. We were literally surrounded by swamps. There was like mosquitoes and frogs. And I don't know who had the genius idea of going up into this area, but I couldn't get out of there fast enough. But basically I snapped myself out of it. I realized that there was some sort of boggy fairy type energy there that was creating such an energy had such a a particular frequency that was kind of draining and pulling everybody into that low depressed state. And so I shook my partner and I was like, Hey, there's something doing this. There's, I see it. It looks like this. And I described it to him and he snapped out of it. And he was like, Whoa, you're right. Like once I made him aware that there was an external conscious form of some type that was pulling everybody into that headspace, he snapped out of it. And he was like, wow, you're right. I feel better now. And he's like, oh, I feel clear. And we were just sitting there and I didn't feel comfortable at that time telling everybody else. My partner was one thing, but I didn't want to tell everybody else what I was seeing. And so we kind of just retreated away and went and hung out by ourselves, not freaking out about all this ridiculous things and ruining our time. So that was another type of fairy that I saw that kind of held a lower vibration. And another interesting thing that I noticed in those earlier years was anytime I would go into a place that had statuary like people who have the little angels and even gnomes or Buddha statues. And they had this beautiful garden. And usually those gardens were landscaped pretty well. Like people put really deep thought and care into their garden space. And they strategically placed these little statuaries. I would notice that these statuaries, not all of them, but some of them would adopt little fairy energies. Like they would almost claim that statue to be their home. And even though I would be looking at like a little cherub angel imprinted over, it would be a fairy, clearly a fairy. And the fairies always had these very elongated eyes and tiny thin features and just this kind of magical light about them. So I've always been a little bit obsessed with statuary ever since then. I love putting little statues out in my yard and having little things everywhere just because of that memory of knowing that they hold little magic spirits within them. So after about the age of 25, like I said, I got sucked into the game of life. And then the only time I ever saw fairies or fairy energy was when I had clients that would come in and they were clearly an incarnation, reincarnation of a once fairy energy, or they themselves brought fairy energy in with them. And though I didn't communicate with those fairies specifically or directly, I would perceive fairy energy to be with them. And anytime, of course, I told that to my clients, they never denied it. There are just certain people who are very open to those realities and carry those energies with them, which brings to mind the only time I saw a fairy in the last few months was this one client came in and she had asked me about her cat who had just passed away. And I was tuning in with the spirit of this cat. And I said, oh my gosh, the cat sees orbs. There's things, orbs, colors, all different colors. And the cat spirit is preoccupied with all the orbs in your house. And she said, could they be fairies? And I was like, yeah, I think they might be. And she said, well, because I invite the fairies into my house every single day. So it was like validation on her end about something I wouldn't know that the cat was showing me. And so maybe about two, three months later after that reading, she actually invited me to her home to go do a mobile session. And when I walked into her home, when she said she invited in fairies, this woman was literally like a living fairy being like 
everything in her house was fairy stuff. She had fairy artwork, fairy statuary, all this playful, fun, bright, colorful, magical energy. As soon as I walked up into her property, it just felt like I was playful and fun and magical again. And I walked into her studio where I was like setting up all of my things. And this little orb started flying around me. And I said, I see you. She said, you see me? And she was all excited and danced around me for a few minutes and then left. And I got so excited because I thought that is the first fairy I've seen in maybe a decade. And I realize now the only reason I was able to see it was because I went into that woman's home who invites the fairies into her home. And she has so many fairies playing there, a fairy playground. That is also a revelation I've had in myself of how necessary it is for me to get back in touch with that and start inviting the fairies to come and play and make a little play zone or a little altar to invite in those fairy energies. So that's kind of my obsession at the moment. I just got this property here on Kauai and I'm going to make a whole fairy garden fortress. And I'm so excited. I got my daughter excited about it. So just passing that on, if you wanted to figure out a way to invite fairy energies in, that would be a wonderful and fun unique way to invite them and make them feel right at home in your space. I just had a a memory pop in about when I lived in California, when my older daughter was maybe about 10 years old, we had this little plum tree in the backyard and we had lived at that house for at least five or six years at that point. But this little plum tree, it was just big enough for her to kind of create this little fairy world underneath. And she started taking little acorns and twigs and string. And she started making little hammocks and swings and bridges and uh, all these little miniature tables and chairs and all of this. And she hung them all in this little tree. And I had no idea she was doing this. I went out there one day and I saw her tinkering underneath there and I was like blown away. I was like, oh my gosh, you've created this like little magical fairy world under the tree. And I thought it was so cool. She was expressing her creativity and she would be out there day after day, adding to this little fairy village under the tree. And within a few months of her having built this unintentional fairy altar under the plum tree, I went out there and there was like three fairy rings of mushrooms underneath the tree. And I had lived at that property for five or six years and had never in my life ever, ever saw a mushroom fairy ring ever. And they were only around that plum tree. So I found that to be kind of eye-opening and magical. I was like, whoa, that's just crazy. I've never seen that before. So you might find when you start bringing some fairy energy into your space, that something extraordinarily magical will appear in that space. Awesome. So if you feel like you are being messed with, bothered, annoyed by something, what you can do is you, you can first of all, meditate on it and ask what it is. You know, if it's something that's just beyond coincidental and you're just like, what is this? Take a few minutes, meditate, ask what's going on, and then take a look at yourself has your behavior not been great? Have you done something that you shouldn't have? Have you been disrespecting nature? Is there a reason why one of the elementals might be upset with you? And you might be able to apologize and correct your behavior right there and take care of it. You also want to come from a place of being apologetic, but also being empowered. You need to know that you have control over your life. You can set intentions, but it's nice to, before you just send something away to ask why and take a look at yourself. And like Jude said, 
inviting fairies in. If you want to open up to elementals, having an appreciation and gratitude for nature, being out, spending more time in nature, calling in the elements or the directions, inviting in any of the elementals, you know, whether you're interested in mermaids, unicorns, fairies, gnomes, asking them to come about. Also, when we start to see things such as water and air and earth as beings, as these elemental beings that belong in the space, it helps us to have a better appreciation and respect for those things. And so having respect for all elements is going to help us open up to elemental energies and have that come in. Also paying attention to not only what you see, but what you feel, sense, hear, you know, asking about that. If you just feel like something's around you, say, you know, who's around me? Do you have a message for me? What is this? If you see a twinkle, take a moment and sit down and really look at that and ask about that. So tapping into those things. And then again, rituals and ceremonies are great ways to tap into elemental energies. Thank you all for being here. I know there's been a little bit of frustration about how long it's taking to get this podcast out. And part of that is because we were hijacked by fairies. And another part is just that Jude and I, we have really busy careers and families and, you know, we work to make a living and pay our bills. And we really enjoy doing this podcast, but sometimes we have to put it on the back burner and take care of other things first. So we are doing our best to getting it out as much as we can. And again, we're wanting to keep it as pure as possible and avoid sponsorship and advertisements, which is why we put that donation button up. It might just help us, you know, feel a little more inspired to schedule this and prioritize it. And we really do enjoy what we do and we enjoy all the wonderful feedback that you give us out there and we are appreciative to all of our listeners and of course if you're ever curious about patty and i and want to know more about what we do you can visit our website spiritspeakerspodcast.com and you can find links to both of our individual websites and you can follow our Instagram at Spirit Speakers Podcast. You can sign up on any of our newsletters through any of our websites to stay up to date with any offerings, classes, excursions, things hopefully in the future that we might be doing. And as always, thank you for listening. We appreciate you. Until next time, aloha. Take care. <laughs>